This morning we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It's interesting, uh, in prepping for this sermon, uh, our C group is doing a study. Our C, C groups are our small group ministry here at Covenant Community. Our C group is doing a study on the Beatitudes. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus gives these Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, preaching about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is like, and who enters the kingdom of God. And in his third statement about the kingdom, he says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, when we think of meekness, what do you think about when you hear that word? Maybe someone who's quiet or shy, or maybe even you equate meekness with weakness. When we, what we discovered in our study together uh, is that there are only two people in the Bible who are described as meek. Can you guess who those two people are? Anybody? Those are my C group. You can't. You're, that's, that's cheating. <laughs> Moses is the first, and Jesus is the second. The only two people in the entirety of the Bible that are described as meek, Moses and Jesus. Now, Moses, we know, was not weak, though he may have been quiet since he had some trouble speaking, the text tells us. Jesus certainly wasn't quiet, he wasn't shy, and he wasn't weak. But Jesus was meek. So what does it mean to be meek? This morning, while Peter doesn't use the word meek, he is describing what meekness is. He is describing what it means to be a meek leader, or specifically a meek shepherd of God's people. We often think of leadership qualities as those which impress people. Great presence when someone walks in the room. Great intellect. Great speaking abilities. Having great charisma. But Peter doesn't list any of those things. Instead, he describes meekness. To be a faithful Christian and by extension, a faithful shepherd of God's people because all Christians are called to exhibit these things, and leaders in particular. We are to be meek. I loved the definition that we learned for meekness in our study. Meekness is not weakness. It's, con it's controlled strength rooted in our trust and delight in God. Isn't that wonderful? Meekness is not weakness. It's controlled strength rooted in our trust and delight in God. This is what every Christian should display in their lives and how much more our leaders. Contro controlled strength rooted in our trust and delight in God. This is exactly what Peter is describing in our text today. So let's read 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 to see this. So I exhort the, leaders, the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, 
you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word made flesh in Jesus Christ. Your word revealed to us in him. Lord, we pray that as we come to this text, to your word today, Lord, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we might be more and more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. So we continue in our series in 1 Peter titled Exiles. And last week in 4, 12 through 19, uh, we were reminded that our suffering is not something strange, but something that we actually share in with Jesus. And in that suffering, there actually can be joy in that suffering. We can trust God with it, in it, and our suffering, He is faithful. This morning, we're almost to the end of our series. But before Peter finishes his letter, he's going to offer some final encouragement for leaders, the elders of the church, and then next week to the flock or the people that are under their care. Peter addresses the elders directly as a fellow elder, right? We read, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He, he addresses the elders of, uh, of the church, of the churches in Asia Minor that he's writing to as a fellow elder, one who has suffered himself and witnessed the sufferings of Jesus He wants to encourage them to shepherd the flock of God well, and he wants to explain to them how they should do that. But while this is directed to those who are elders, who else should pay attention to this? Well, those who aspire to the office of elder. Paul actually says it is good to aspire to these things. They should listen carefully, but also the entire church, for they are the ones that are to identify and elect and encourage those to serve as their shepherds. And so the entire church must too understand what makes a good elder, what makes a good shepherd. And the reason this is important is that uh, we desire leadership for the wrong reasons often, right? Paul's, or Peter's actually saying that there are wrong reasons to aspire to this office or to, to serve as an elder. And often we, in our sinfulness, desire for the wrong reasons. But the other side of it is that we, as those who seek to be led, often pick the wrong leaders. <laughs> we often pick the wrong people to lead us. We often see those things like charisma, like having a strong presence, like being a great speaker. We see those things and say, oh, that's who should lead us. And more often than not, when that happens, things go terribly, terribly wrong. Because those aren't the things that God himself says are to be the heart, the character of those that lead Few leaders bear the responsibility of authority with ease. One type is too quick to decide, too eager to lead, even to dominate, and readily abuses power. 
Another is too reluctant to make decisions, too thin-skinned to endure, and can't hold up under the pressure. Unfortunately, there are way too many examples of those who should not be elders in the church. In our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel, we heard that the shepherds of Israel abused their power and those who were called to lead, so much so that God denounced them, said that they had abdicated their roles. In our current context, whether it's the overbearing, know-it-all, joyless elder in an unknown church in some rural community or the more well-known catastrophes of elders, pastors, like pastors within the Hillsong churches where a culture of abuse has been admitted, someone like Mark Driscoll at Mars Hill Church, James McDonald, or Doug Wilson. Now, I rarely name names in my sermons but I do so this morning for a particular purpose because it's important to understand that these kinds of pastors, elders, and ministries are not what Jesus desires for his church. This is not the kind of leadership that Peter is calling the elders then or elders now to exhibit. The main point of our text this morning is that because Jesus is the chief shepherd, we need leaders that serve like Jesus. Because Jesus is the chief shepherd, we need leaders that serve like Jesus. First, exercising oversight, what that looks like, and then as under shepherds. First, exercising oversight, verses 2 through 4. First, we need to make one qualification. No one, no Christian leader is self-qualified morally or spiritually to lead. No one, not myself not any other elder in this church, deacon, or any other ministry leader. No one is self-qualified morally or spiritually to serve as in God's church. No one deserves to lead the church. Jesus forgives, appoints, and qualifies those who he has called to lead. Second, the core of an elder's qualification is the love of Jesus. The core of an elder's qualification, not how much scripture they know, not how well they can exegete the text, not any of those things. The core is that they love Jesus and know his love for them. That is the core of an elder's qualification or any leader in God's church. The call of the elder is to exercise oversight, Peter says, and this oversight is to be executed and exhibited in particular ways. First, those who serve as elders are not to serve under compulsion, but with a wholehearted desire, right? In the context, think of this. Peter has just written about the, about the sufferings of, his, of the people of God, Right? And so in that context, Peter is saying there should be no compulsion to this. You should not be serving under some sense of compulsion for, for there will be trials that you endure just as the entire church has enduring suffering 
There will be trials that you endure. So don't serve under compulsion, but with a wholehearted desire, a whole self, a giving of your whole self to this call, to joyfully follow Jesus into leading his people. Second, he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now, most commentators will, will kind of hone in on the aspect of financial greed, Peter referencing here, uh, as shameful gain, and that's certainly a, a way to, to, uh, uh, to translate this. But remember, greed is not merely in the financial realm. We can be greedy for all kinds of things, right? We can be greedy for things like money, of course, power, respect, stature, any of those things. The list can go on. Greed can manifest itself in us desiring to get our own way. We can be greedy to get our own way. And the way this often looks among elders is that one elder believes he has a vision or his desire on a particular issue is the right one and won't submit to the other elders of the church but seeks to undermine the other elders. I see this happening all the time in Christ's church, unfortunately. That greed, this, this shameful gain can form and, to, and cause itself to come out in ways that seek our own good or our own desires, our own wants. Third, Peter says, to lead not being domineering but being examples. You remember when Jesus explained to his disciples what true leadership looked like? Right? He said that don't be like the Gentiles who lord it over people, basically who are domineering, who desire people to serve them, who desire people to uh, appreciate them, who desire people to submit to them because of their position and not out of their desire to serve others. And Jesus says, this is not how those who follow me should lead. Elders are not to enter the ministry so they can boss others around, but so they can exemplify the character of Christ to those under their care. Elders, Peter says, will be examples to their flock as they follow the example of the chief shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Right? The way that we lead is not under compulsion, not for selfish game, not domineering, but leading like Jesus, the one who leads us, the one who goes before us, and protects us, the one who helps us to find, or who want, one who finds green pastures for us to lie down in, the one who finds good water for us to drink. 
right? That's exactly what God was saying to the leaders, to the shepherds of Israel, right? Through the prophet Ezekiel. They were doing exactly the opposite. What can the sheep do for me? Not what am I called to do for the sheep? And in Jesus' example, it's giving our all. Ed Clowney, in commenting on this passage, says, the elder shepherd is not a cowboy driving his flock like cattle. When I think of those pastors, elders I mentioned earlier, they see themselves as cowboys, not shepherds. They want to be, quote, manly men, and so they put on a display, put on a show of strength. Instead, the elder shepherd is to lead as a shepherd would, walking ahead of his flock, defending, protecting, caring, feeding. And that leads us to our second sub-point. We see that because Jesus is the chief shepherd, we, are, we need leaders that serve like Jesus, exercising oversight, as Peter explains it, but also serving as under-shepherds, verses 1 through 2 and 4. When I was ordained as a pastor in our denomination, uh, Megan and my, our pastor from St. Louis, the church that we were members at while I was at Covenant Seminary, Kurt Lutchens, who a few of you in this room would recognize that name because he pastored here in Pittsburgh for a time, came and preached at my ordination service. And I actually do not remember a whole lot of what he said that night. (laughs) Ordination is similar to like a wedding ceremony, right? You blah, 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 you know, all this like stuff's being said and you're like, and you just like forget all that. But I do remember one thing. I remember what passage he preached from that night. He pointed me to that passage as a reminder of what it means to be a pastor. He reminded us of an unforgettable breakfast by the Sea of Galilee. The risen Lord Jesus restored Peter and charged him to shepherd his flock. Jesus charged Peter to feed his sheep and to tend them, the two major tasks of a shepherd. And in that charge, Jesus was calling Peter to have in part his own care of his disciples. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And by the lake of Galilee, Jesus examined Peter in his desire to follow him and serve him. And what does he ask Peter three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Only as he confessed his love for Christ was Peter charged to shepherd the flock of Christ. Love for Christ will kindle compassion for Christ's sheep, the little ones for whom he died. Elders will be examples to their flocks as they follow the example 
of the chief shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, Peter says. To speak of this chief shepherd is to remind the elders that they are only under shepherds, right? No one gets to be the true chief shepherd. That is for Jesus and him alone. Their authority, the elders' authority is not original to them. They have no authority other than the authority that comes in Christ's name according to his word. They can't make anything up. They can't do what they will. It comes from the word of God. And finally, Peter reminded them that their labor, the labor that they are called to for others will have a great reward and will bring remarkable joy. Peter says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter contrasts the crown the elders will receive with the leafy crowns that were bestowed in the Greco-Roman world when athletes would win their competition. Right? They would get these crowns and, uh, or, or after a victory of, of athletic competition or of a military conquest, and they were, they were revered crowns. They were given as a sign of, 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 of great glory. Peter says, those, those crowns will fade. People will forget. <laughs> but the crown given by God will never fade. You will receive that crown of glory for shepherding under the chief shepherd, the one who gave his life for you. To be sure, the work of the chief shepherd is a distinctive as is as distinctive as, as he is as a person. He is the only Lord of the flock. The shepherd's rod in his hand is a rod of iron, for he will judge the nations. He goes before the flock, first to the cross and then to his throne. And by his spirit he gathers the sheep the Father has given to him, for he knows them and they know his voice. And at the last, Jesus, the judge of all, will divide the sheep from the goats as no human shepherd could possibly do. Yet the Lord of glory calls human beings to serve him as under shepherds. By his grace, they too may taste of sufferings and glory and so have fellowship with him. When Jesus recommissions Peter, he said, follow me. Jesus, the chief, chief shepherd, calls every under-shepherd to walk in his steps, to be meek. Meekness is not weakness, but a controlled strength rooted in our trust and delight in God. Because Jesus, the chief shepherd, we need leaders that serve like Jesus, exercising oversight, and as under-shepherds, under the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our chief shepherd, Jesus, the one who has laid down his life for his sheep. Lord, I pray that as 
we all, your people, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, we would truly be those who are known as meek, controlled strength, living in the delight and joy of you, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for those who currently serve as elders in this church and those who may one day Lord, that we would seek to live and minister in light of who you've called us to be in Christ, out of a deep love for Jesus and a love for your flock. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.